Hello and welcome back, all you folks out there in the great wide sea of humanity. I'm the late Dr. Jules Tranquillo's student, Sam Thayer, back with more of my teacher's guide to the art, science, and beguilements of going invisible. As we approach the conclusion of his introductory course of study, Doc Jules touches on a sensitive topic among the community of invisibles, and one that remains controversial, our ambivalent relationship with art and artists. I have already referred to artists and craftsmen in this guide, Doc says, and how their creative work can transcend Econoculture's hard work edict. But there is more to that story. The relationship of invisibles to the arts has in fact been a source of dissent within our ranks. For that reason, even apprentice invisibles should have at least some passing familiarity with the controversy. Some art forms violate the most fundamental invisibility principles. These are primarily performing arts. Musicians, for example, who perform on stage before audiences are quite clearly ineligible. So, for that matter, are actors, stand-up comedians, stage magicians, most dancers, opera singers, all those whose livelihood involves entertaining others by drawing attention to themselves. Their ability to merge and blend is hopelessly compromised. Their decision to stand out rather than blend in carries a price many artist invisibles have been unwilling to pay and so have opted for other less conspicuous ways of making a living. There are varying degrees of unfitness here. The pop star is in a whole different class from the bar band drummer. But there is compromise at all levels nonetheless. It might be that the third flute in the wind section of the Wichita Symphony Orchestra goes sufficiently unnoticed that he or she can perform uncompromised and still go invisible. Or one of eight trumpet players in the Sioux Falls High School marching band, or a back row chorus line dancer in a suburban dinner theater, a costumed clown in a circus. Not all performers need be ruled unfit. Only those who successfully attract attention to their real selves, whatever those may prove to be. For the unsuccessful, there is hope. Actors have the same problem fatal compromise of the invisibility mandate 
against drawing attention to oneself. Some argue that so long as the actor submerges him or herself in the role and suppresses his or her true self, insofar as there is such a thing, they are drawing attention to a fictional character and not to themselves. There may be something to this, at least until the actor as artist becomes a public figure and lost to invisibility, a permanent celebrity captive. They may force brave smiles and maintain a cheerful front, appearing to bask in the glory of iconoculture fame. But they are actors, after all. It's what they do. It seems no sooner are we drawn to an actor as a true artist, and up he or she pops peddling some product, just another huckster. Big money drives the fine arts market as artists compete for patrons like internet startups wooing investors. Like everything else in econoculture, art has been thoroughly commercialized. Fine art and artists are fine investments with fine tax advantages and fine profit prospects with that fine elan of sophistication. Making money is art, wrote Andy Warhol, a shameless panderer. And working is art, he said, and good business is the best art. Artists are expected to perform for their patrons, and how Andy did perform. Poets must perform, too. It's not enough for them to just write poems or even to just read them. Now they must be performance artists as well and act the poems out before audiences and maintain blogs to attract followers. Shopping malls are hiring so-called poets to make literary so-called art of the consumer experience. Virtually all writers must sign performance contracts, turning them into marketable commodities, branded products, in order to get their work published and read. It's a shame, really. Many of these artists are uncommonly sensitive people who suffer under econoculture and could benefit greatly from going invisible. Instead, they've been ruined by overexposure. Rolling Stones guitar maestro Keith Richards hated being locked into his rock star persona. He said, quote, My idea of actual heaven is being a rock and roll star that nobody ever sees. Totally anonymous. You know, you gotta go out and just do this thing sometimes. Unquote. Offstage, he would, in his heaven, be free to go invisible. Of course, it doesn't work that way. 
The loss of all this talent became a heated issue among Invisibles that peaked in 2002 and 3, resulting in the formation of our Artist Rescue Team, or ART. Its purpose is to save as many artists as possible before it's too late and show them how they can live well and comfortably practicing their art or craft without surrendering their souls to econoculture. The descent follows from our lack of precision in discriminating between artists with invisibility potential and those who, like Richards and Warhol, are hopelessly lost. There is no consensus on this. It's not a science. Intuition pays a large part. It's an art deciding what is art and what is merchandise. Nor is there agreement on the necessity of art's business side, its marketing and promotion, especially artists' self-promotion. Is there still a place in the art world for artists who elect not to draw attention to themselves? Who choose to let their art speak for itself? Who wish to be, as artists, ignored? I've seen fights break out over these questions. Often, alcohol is a factor. Coming up next, by drawing a line in the sand that declares to econoculture here and no further, invisibility creates a refuge for the last authentic hipsters. For more on Going Invisible, visit howtogoinvisible.com. All one word, no spaces. <laughs>